I'll tell you what, you're going to love it. First of all, I say a big, I'm sorry to all the people who worked on my sermon to get it all on the overhead, and it's not, I'm not doing it. <laughs> but that's what happens when you go to a Holy Ghost church. So get your Bibles out and go to 1 John. I don't know if we're going to go. Go to 1 Corinthians 13. This morning when I woke up, which is about 5.45, or eh, actually not this morning. This morning I woke up about 6.45. Lord began to talk to me about something. And, um, you know, I always think to myself, you could do this yesterday. Maybe I'm not quiet. Maybe it's me that's not hearing. And he began to talk to me about something. I, had, I, I didn't have any idea what had anything to do with this morning. But it got so strong on me that I went and I said, you know what? I'm just going to preach it whether it's you or not. Because you're really talking strong to me about something about me and about some stuff that I have been dealing with. So I'm going to ask you a question. Would you like to know the secret to a good life? Did you know there is one? Did you know that I'm going to stand here and tell you that I looked for years and years and years for it? And I thought I had it. You get it, and then after a while you realize that whatever it is you know or whatever it is you're doing, it isn't working. If you're honest. And finally, one day the Lord showed it to me, kind of out of a desperation, but I'm going to tell you how it happened. I want to read something out of um, Mark Hankins' book. Um, it's part of his love book. Uh, let me see if I can find it here. I should have marked it. Henry Drummond said, You will find, if you think for a moment, the people who influence you are people who believe in you. How many of you want people to like you? You want to be liked? You want to be loved? You will find, if you think for a moment, the people who influence you are people who believe in you. In an atmosphere of suspicion, men shrivel up. But in a trusting atmosphere, they expand and find encouragement and educated fellowship. The possession is the greatest secret of personal influence. So I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm going to answer it for you. In church or Christianity, what do you think most people would say is the secret to life? Hmm? Love. I'm going to give you a list of what I've noticed, and I, and I noticed it in me. Number one... Revelation knowledge. Isn't that awesome? I mean, isn't it neat to know the Bible? To know what happened at the cross? To know what happened when he died on the cross, rose from the dead? Isn't that kind of cool that when you get up on a platform or you're out preaching and, and you realize you know more Bible than anybody in the room? That's kind of cool. Number two, I would say... The anointing. Then people would think that's cool. Like Rodney Howard Brown or Rodney or Kenneth Hagen, Kenneth Copeland, Joyce Myers. You know, Benny Hinn's so anointed, people get healed getting around him. And I would think that a lot of people would think that's the secret. I've actually thought that. They just need more anointing. Here's another one. Money. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. You know, I've been broke and I've been rich. I like rich. I mean, I know a lot of you can think you've you got a handle on, on money, but you, you'll never turn it down as, as, as holy as you are. You, I've never seen one of you walk in the office and the boss say, I'm giving you a raise. And you go, no, not me, not no, no. Give it to someone else. I don't think that's you. Thank y'all. Y'all are exciting. How about influence? How about the ability to make friends? How about the ability? I want to read something to you. 
from 1 Corinthians 13 right now. Verse 1, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, and I don't have love, I am a sounding brass and a lot of noise. That's good, isn't it? You know, sometimes we think the Baptists put that in there. Never mind. I mean, every time you meet a Baptist, he's always going, man, that tongues ain't that big of a deal. It's love. I said, well, you need some. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand how much mysteries? All. All. That is a lot of knowledge. That means that everybody is calling you to come do a seminar. That's huge, isn't it? But yet right here, we're going to read it, and I don't want you to blow over it, because in America today... There are people that is their highest ambition is to be is to be well known. They live for it. I've been guilty. Y'all don't get quiet on me. We'll get you out there. Though I understand all mysteries, all knowledge, and have all faith, so I can even move a mountain. And I don't have love, I'm what? Zero. That's that's a huge statement in the light of American culture. Let's read them home. And though I bestow all my goods to the poor, and I give my body to be burned, and I have not love, it profits me nothing. Now let's stop right there, and I'm going to tell you where I learned this. I learned it the hard way. But I had something begin to happen to me, and I think God uses circumstances to teach us. But I, I called a, a, a man on the phone one day, and I, and I wanted to get to know him, and I'm going to tell you that he's a big dog. What I mean by that is that he has a church of several thousand people, and he's well-respected around America doing seminars everywhere, And I called him and asked him to help me, and he said he would. And I got to know him, and and he became my friend. And one day he asked me to do something for him that I was unable to do. I didn't know how to do it. And our, our friendship ended. He cut me. I it it crushed my soul. I'm going to say something here. It's, it's bad English. I don't give a damn how big his church is or how much he knows. The rejection was monumental. You feel like I, I'm, I'm what? I ask you for help. And I get rejection. Because I didn't measure. Let's all get honest. May we? Every one of us wake up in the morning and do everything we can in our power to put our best foot forward. Do you know why? We want people to like us. The bottom line. But here's the problem. At some point, they're going to find out what you're like. And what happens then? All too often, people will walk. It's as common as rocks on the seashore. I had another instance happen to me. I have a minister friend who, who's actually been here to preach a few times. This person has known me for years and years and years. They've seen me at my best. I've told them all of my stories. I've impressed them to the best of my ability which is what we all try to do. This person's also seen me in my worst. And their attitude toward me never changed. And I love them for it. So much so that I made a vow when I, the first person I went now, here's, listen to me carefully, because I know you're listening right now. You're looking at me like, oh. 
The first person I'm telling you about, what I hated in him, I was doing it too. Because that's mentored. It's been mentored to us. If you don't take care of me, goodbye. I mean, I, I have, I've had a thing in me. If I don't like you, to hell with you. The heck with you. Goodbye. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. Every one of us in this room have done it. Everybody in this room has done this. We do it to keep from getting hurt. Over and over and over and over. But the next person, you see, one of the things I found out about agape is though I've read it, I've never seen it. You don't see it mentored. After that happened to me, I looked at this person and I went, I like that. And I changed from being unloving to more loving because God was loving me. In spite of me. Are you all out there? And, And so having seen it and having seen it in a person, I began to recognize when I read this what it is God was actually saying to me. Now, I want to go to another scripture. Go to 1 John. Am I doing all right? This is not my sermon for today, but it is going to be anyway. um, Because we need it. 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Imagine that. You die and stand before him. And there's no judgment? That's good. I don't want to die and go, oh, this is not going to be a good day. I want that to be gone. I mean, I need that to be gone. Now, let's read it. Let's slow down. Love has been perfected among us that we have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is right now, so are we in the world. There is no fear in love. Now, I'm going to say this again, and I've said it before, but it bears repeating. I must have read the love scriptures for years. And every time I read them, I was working on me. And I found out that after about three or four years, I still wasn't doing very well. Kyle, just come over here. I was still stuck on love as patient and kind. I found myself not being very loving. And I was working at it. And then one day I got a hold of a book, and it was Joyce Myers. And she said, you need to let God love you. Let him love you. And I went back and I read that again, and the Holy Ghost said to me, he said, I said love cast out fear. My love for you drives out fear. He loves me. Say that. He loves me. No conditions. Now, what I'm just said to you is, is, let let me read another scripture to you. Let me jump back up here to my crow's nest. I'm going someplace really good. In Ephesians, it says this. Just as he chose me and him before the foundation of the world, so I would be holy and without blame before him in love. Did Jesus pay my debt? Did he pay yours? It's gone. Predestined us to adoption as sons in himself according to his good pleasure to the praise of the glory of his grace in which he made us accepted in the beloved. Say, God God. accepted Accepted. me. Here's why we have a hard time loving others. We don't even love us ourselves. Let me, let me help you with something here. If you don't like you, 
you think everyone else doesn't like you, and when they don't like you, you react. And so your, your own lack of love for yourself is a self-fulfilling prophecy because you don't like you, it is guaranteed no one else will. You're creating it. But what happens when you get around people who don't like you and you like you? You really don't give a rip. I have a philosophy and I want you to adopt it with me. If you don't like me, you have a problem. And it's you. Now, Lisa and I also have another saying in our house, and adopt it, but adopt the whole thing, not half of it. When we find somebody who's ugly, we say to one another, let's kill them. With kindness. In other words, I'm not going to allow your ugliness to change me. Now, I can't do that if I don't like me. But if God likes me, if God loves me, easiest thing in the world to love you. Because my tank is full. Once I started realizing, wait a minute, and I, and, and I know I have a double D personality. Did it ever dawn on you God made me this way? You know, squirrels don't marry rabbits. It's really be a messed up. See the rabbit that climbs trees or a squirrel that digs. You know, it's okay that you don't get along with everybody. But, you know, learn to accept people the way God made them. Maybe he made them a certain way for a reason. Everybody doesn't need to be like you. You know what our definition of normal is? Me. Right. You have the same definition. Yeah. Definition of normal is me. And you think everybody should be like you. And they're not. If they don't like you, that's okay. They don't have to. But you need to like you. So I started finding out when I get around people, there's people who just, they look at me and go, and you're a handful. I went, I am. But I'm his workmanship and he created me and you're saying he screwed up. I don't think he did. But he didn't screw up with you either. You're not a mistake. There's nothing about you or your personality that's, that's a mistake. God loves you just like you are. Let's go to another scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to come back to 1 John here in a minute, I think. Yes, I am. I'm coming back. 2 Corinthians America is in a mess. It's in a mess. And I'm going to give you the answer to it. If you're ready. 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. All things the past way, everything became new. We all know that one. Now, all of this is God who reconciled us to himself through Jesus and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is... God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. Now, don't get mad at me for what I'm going to say. You're going to need to fall in love with some queers. I said it. I said it on purpose because I want to slap the fire out of you. You know what's wrong with them? They don't even love themselves. God loves people. God loves people. Now we all know he hates sin, but he loves people. And he loves you to love what he loves. I didn't say we accept it. I said we love him. Last night, I had the great joy of going down to hear, um, what's his Prager? Dennis Prager was speaking in, in Orlando, and I got to walk up to him, introduce myself to him, and uh, I gave that big, unborn-again Jew a hug. Amen. And I looked him right in the eye, and I said, Dennis, 
I love you. And he's a big dog. And he turned and he looked at me and he said, I love you too. And he took a few minutes to spend with me. That's huge, people. See, you know what people want? They want acceptance. We say the word love. People want acceptance. You know why we don't? We found something in them we don't like. So? They can find something you don't like. Then you'll be like Grizzly Adams, live all by yourself someplace. <laughs> Some of you got family members you hadn't talked to in a long time. Oh, they hadn't called me. Why don't you call them? You know what your grandkids need? They need love. They know they're wrong. They know they're wrong. No one said you're accepting their lifestyle. Why don't you call them up and provide them over dinner and love on them a little bit? Why don't you buy them a gift? Why don't you do something for them? I'm preaching better than you, amen. Four years, three years, Jesus walked the earth and healed people who were sinners. And he is merciful. Now, they can respond or not, but he never withheld love. And then he loved you, and you were a mess. And he's looking for a response. You know why we don't love people? We don't love us. You know why we don't love us? We've never accepted ourselves. I'm writing a book, uh, a lady about there, whatever her name is, Barbara, Barbara something or another. She's kind of helping me with it to get it to the printer. When I got born again, do you know what the biggest battle I had with God? I, I didn't understand agape. I could not fathom what he was doing. Everyone in my life that ever met me left. But he didn't seem to leave too quick. And I couldn't grasp that. I was waiting for him to finally learn enough about me to walk. Everybody else did. And that was really my big struggle. I get born again. I'm on the way to the crusade. I'm cussing, swearing, and raising hell all the way to the crusade. And he heals me. I think he hit the wrong person. If he'd known me, he wouldn't have done such a stupid thing. But he did. And he got home that night and was rolling a joint to celebrate being saved. You know that. And, I, and, and, and he, he, he spoke to me out of the inside of me. And I asked him a dumb question. I said, what are you doing, what are you, what are you doing in there? He said, well, you asked me in. I went, well, you know, to me, I, I understand forgiveness, but this is, I don't get this. And so he, you know, and I realized that I'm born again and he's living in me. Okay, I get the, the theology of it but I don't understand the agape of it. I mean, why would you do that for me? And the next month or two, he got me a job, got me out of debt, helped me with my truck. He does all these things, doing all these things. He's doing all. And apparently, he just doesn't know me very well. And I'm overwhelmed by it. And that was 45 years ago. He has been in me through all of my good, all of my bad. And he knows me better than anybody knows me. And he's still there. Wouldn't it be nice if we liked, acted like that a little tiny bit? Boy, are we quick to throw somebody to the curb. May I tell a story on how, again? A lot of people, this is Teresa's father's name, Hal. I had the joy of leading him the Lord. And she probably doesn't know this part of the story, but after he got born again in the hospital, I went over to his house 
where he was living with his ex. Well, wasn't living with her, but he's in bed. He's not a threat. And I walked in the living room, and he's bawling his eyes out. And he's with, with joy. And he looked at me and said, I have had the greatest miracle that I've ever had, and God has answered my prayers. And I'm thinking, he healed you of cancer? He goes, no. My family has forgiven me and accepted me. Say, wow. wow. That's huge. That's, that's happy. When you're dying, when we, when we bury you, and we bring you in here and stick you in a coffin, in which you'll be naked and they'll have half your clothes on you because they don't, they don't put you in the clothes. They cut them in half and put a lay them on top of your body. I don't know if you know all that. The backside is completely gone. Some of that y'all didn't need to know. You came naked, you're going home naked. You're leaving naked. And you better hope God clothes you after you leave your body and before you get to heaven. He's got to do a quickie change you because, you, you know. What's important? What's important when you're laying here in a casket? People. Your kids, your grandkids, your husband, your wife, your family. That's what's important. Nothing else matters. It shouldn't matter now. It shouldn't be number one. And they're going to cry because they didn't do enough for you. Do it now. We don't get perfect. There aren't any. There ain't anybody perfect. Lisa's, Lisa left a while ago. And just in case you all know, she's not in the building. She's on a road right now. She always takes off the third week of October and goes to Georgia to see leaves. Left me all alone. So, but I'm going to tell you what, I have probably the greatest wife on God's green earth. Now, I could write a list of all the good in that woman. And I'm going to tell you something, it'd take me an hour to read it. I also have another list. I can tell you the junk, but I don't think about it. You're going to have to choose to look for the good and find the good. <laughs> Let me read something to you. Are you all okay with all of this? Love believes the best about others and credits them with good intentions. You can find fault. You're just a Pharisee. Anybody can find fault. It don't take a long. It don't take, if you want to know my faults, just call me. I'll give you a greater list than you've got. And if I don't have one, last Lisa, she's got a list. Go back to Elisa and I. We have a great marriage. When we have a difficulty with each other, we sit down and we talk. And she listens. If she needs to change, she changes. If I need to change, I change. Because I didn't marry her to be a worship leader. I didn't marry her to keep my books. I married her for companionship. And that's why I married her. And that's what I want out of her is, is to be by my side and to be my best friend all the time. I come to church because I love you. I love you guys. I love, watching you, I love watching your ups, your downs, your ins, and your outs. And you're, you're going to have to start learning to love people and look for the good. Anybody can find fault. You can find fault. But one of the reasons you do it is you don't like you. If God loves you unconditionally, that will fill your tank. He loves me. Hallelujah. End of subject. Now, I can just love you back. I'm not trying to get acceptance. I'm accepted. What do you guys think the biggest reason why people get into sin? Why do people commit adultery? Why do they smoke dope? Shame. Guilt. Lise, Che, and I went to the movies the other day and saw, what was it, the music... Um, 
um, the Jesus music. I watched a, a documentary about how Russ Taft was an alcoholic even when he was performing. It's quite a deal, isn't it? And yet Lisa and I grew up listening to Russ Taft. What do you think happened there? Russ Taft's father was a Pentecostal preacher. Russ Taft's father was an alcoholic Pentecostal preacher who hated himself. And because he hated himself, he thought God hated him. And because he thought God hated him, he preached like hell. And he did not give his wife and his kids love. He had none to give them because he had none. And Russ grew up in a home with a mean father and never experienced acceptance. And though he had a call, and though he loved Jesus, he drank to kill the pain of the shame. See, a lot of times when you see people in a mess, slow down a few minutes and go, I wonder why they're like that. I wonder what they need. Might be someone just to love them. Your kids avoid you. You know why? They're ashamed. They're guilty. Every time they get around you, you got a scripture you're pounding on them. <laughs> Don't look at me in that tone of voice. I've done it. Ask my kids. Ask my church. Have y'all been guilty? Yes. I've been just as guilty of this as anybody else. Well, we love people. I want you to grow. I want you to mature. But above all, God loves you and I love you and I'm going to let God take you the way he wants to and I trust him. If you do something stupid, we'll just pick you up. Yep. <laughs> That's called love. I didn't say we liked it. I didn't say we agree with you. I just said we'll pick you up. Isn't that what he does? Isn't a wonderful way to live a life? This is the secret to a happy life. So I'm going to tell you my story again. Lisa told me this before she left. She said there's two basics that every human must have. The number one is food, warmth, rest, and safety. Every baby wants food, warmth, rest, and safety. Number two, every child needs a, to belong and to be accepted and to be loved. Or they won't grow up normal. This is happening in our society, and it's not good. And we have a whole society out there, and you and I are watching it on the YouTube and TV and going, they're crazy as hell. And they are. And they're going to hell. Somewhere along the line, we're going to have to put on our big boy pants and start loving some really ugly people. And I mean letting them know that they are valuable. So Justin last week, my Justin, preached a sermon on redemption. He made a statement I'll probably never forget. I want you to think about the price he paid He gave blood out of his body for you. That makes you very, very valuable. Doesn't it? Say, God loves me. You don't realize it, but your problems are getting fixed while you're sitting here. Because once we get rid of the insecurity, once we get rid of the guilt and the shame, you'll fly out of this church like a bird being let out of a cage. Amen. He loves me. That's good, isn't it? One of the things homes needs now is for mom to go back and start loving their kids. 
Love believes the best about others and credits them with good intentions. And I must have read that, I can't tell you how many times, but I still had trouble with it. Let me read this, the rest of this in 1 John 4. We love him because he first loved us. If you haven't accepted it, you're going to have a hard time with love. My wife is not perfect and she cannot meet my needs, all of my needs. I had to learn to quit asking her to. You're talking about a frustrated marriage when you're looking at your spouse and wanting them to meet your needs. And they don't have it to give. Lisa asked me one time for something and I went, go ask God. Because I don't have it. I said, there is a God, honey, and I'm not him. And this is where a lot of problems come in because we're looking to people to do what only God can do. So from that day forward, I decided to let Lisa be the woman God made her and let her give to me what God placed in her to give to me. And anything lacking, I went to God and I quit demanding my wife be something she's not. And I asked her for the same. I said, quit asking me to do what I can't give you. And I'm going to tell you something, our, our marriage smoothed out like a, like a black asphalt road getting off a of dirt one. I mean, it just smoothed up. <laughs> because she started seeing the good in me and leaving the rest alone. Quit trying to turn me into somebody I'm not. Boy, how you talking about frustrated. My so-and-so does this, and you should have married him. Well, I ain't want to. <laughs> what you see is what you get. <laughs> Come on, y'all. We're going to get into marriage one day. We're going to get into this thing good. Because I'm going to tell you something. There's nothing funner than being married and in love. Right now, Lisa and I are just as in love as we were the day we met. I'll tell you this, and she's probably watched. She kissed the fire out of me the other day. I'm thinking, whoa, baby. <laughs> and nothing crack a man's tractor than a woman grab him on the way through the kitchen and kiss him like, like, I, like I'm 30. I said, keep your eyes closed and kiss me one more time like that, baby. Just... <laughs> and she's going to get mad. I said, that's a little bit too much information for everybody. Then she made me dinner. That, that was the icing on the cake right there. Y'all thought I was going to say something else, didn't you? <laughs> so I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you the story. I've told you this many times, but I, but I just feel I'm going to do a Mark Hank because I don't care how many times I've told you. I'll tell you again. But after I got born again, and you understand that when I say that, I'm not just talking theology. I'm talking real. When I, when I, I, November 16, 1975, I came to Jesus. I met him. And he healed me. And he saved me. And he delivered me. And he came to live inside of me. And I had a struggle with that. I mean, I just did not understand in him. I, didn't, I thought forgiveness, yes, but, but living inside of me, I mean, it's, you know, whoa. And he did. And, and he got me out of debt. He got me a job. He got me out of debt. He healed my body. He was answering prayer. I mean, he's just doing, he's doing good and he's doing good and he's doing good. And I'm overwhelmed by all this. I mean, I'm like, oh, and, and just too much. So I'm laying in my bed one night and I'm not saying this because I'm super spiritual. I'm not super spiritual. I, I was so overwhelmed by his agape for me that I would lay in bed at night and cry myself to sleep. Because my life had become so good. He paid all my bill, got me out of debt. Got me out of debt. I don't know anybody to die. I'm now the resident manager of apartment complex. I'm getting free rent, free utilities, free phone. I'm driving a brand new car. It was a Honda Civic, but it was new. 
my first new car. I got a swimming pool right outside my house instead of the river I used to swim in. I'm healed. I have no pain in my body. And I lay in bed at night and just cry. And I asked him one night, I said, I said, when I, when I, when I get to heaven, I, I'm just going to crawl in your lap and kiss you. You're so good to me. And I said, can I see you? And he said, no. But you want to see my glory? And I said, yes. And as God is my witness, I left my body. I don't know where my body was, but yeah, I was not in the bed. And he took me straight to heaven. And I'm not saying that because I'm more spiritual than anybody else. I just stood right in his throne room. I got to watch angels. All of the angels sing the same note at the same time. And it is absolutely beautiful. There's no word in English to describe heaven. You cannot describe it. And I turned to the throne room and God is sitting there behind a big green glass. And I walked in there. After that, you don't care what angels look like. And God is a hunk of hunk of burning love. And there's a river coming out of his belly of liquid love. And it flows out over the earth. And I just walked in the throne room and he started talking to me and I just... And you've heard me tell this story, but I'm going to tell it again because I want you to, I want you to grasp the, what I'm, where I'm trying to go right now. And he looked at me and said, why don't people listen to me? And, and I said, I don't know. I, don't, I hadn't been a saved long enough to know why anybody does anything. What are you asking me for? You know God doesn't waste words. He doesn't jabber. If he asks you a question... It's not because he wants you to give him an answer. Amen. He knows the answer. He wants to know if you know the answer. Amen. But I didn't know that. So I went, I don't know. And then all heaven went quiet. I mean, it went stone quiet, like. And he said, why don't people listen to me? And I went, I don't know. And then he began to weep. He began to cry. He began to bawl. He, he cried so hard, his, he doubled over on the throne. I fell in the floor. And I hollered at him and I said, you are killing me. You're killing me. I stood up. I walked to the edge of heaven. And I looked over at the earth. And I could see a ball. I could see the oceans. I could see land, and I leaned over. I could see downtown St. Louis. How do I know that? I don't know. And there was a man walking around a bank. How do I know? I don't know. Just got through raining, and I hollered at him, you're hurting my father. You're hurting my father. And God said, he can't hear you. And I remember standing there looking at that guy, but I won't turn around and look at God now. I don't want to look at him anymore. And he said, uh, you know you're going to have to go. And I said, I know. I don't want to. And he said, why not? And I began to cry. I said, I'm afraid I'll hurt you. He said, you will. And I woke up and I was in my bed and the sun was coming up. I smiled for a week. My face hurt from the glory. I was bumping into stuff, man. I'm walking around going, <laughs> drunk in the spirit. Never totally understood the whole thing till later. When I started realizing that he wants me to love what he loves. My quest became Bible knowledge. My quest became more anointing. My quest stopped being him. Are you all out there? Do you go home? Don't look at me in that tone of voice. We all do this. And then one day it kind of dawned on me. The vision was not for me to preach. It was for me to help me get my life straightened out later. Why don't you listen to me?
What's the most important thing in your life? People. People. Imperfect people. Hard to get along with people. I told you a little while ago, y'all are awfully quiet, you know. <laughs> There's times I walk in a room and, I, and, and the people are just rude. The other day I was on the phone with all the pastors in Tampa or trying to get a hold of them. Rhema pastors. 25 on my list. I get a phone call back from four. Idiots. Rude, stupid pastors. You think I changed? Yeah, just for a moment. And then I began to think, why are they not calling me? What's wrong in their life? They need me to call them. How do you think their church is going? Probably not well. How do you think their life is going? It's probably not going too well either. Do you think that I'm mentoring Jesus by going, I didn't call? I told Lisa, I says, if I have to, I'm going to drive to their church. I'm going to go find them. Because right now they need. Every one of us in this room, you have a need. You need love. You don't need more Bible knowledge. Good God, you, you've forgotten more than most generations ever heard. You, you people have heard more Bible than Smith Wigglesworth knew. You know what's lacking? Acceptance. Just plain old acceptance. I'm doing pretty good. Mark 11, 23, whatever you desire when you pray, you believe you receive, then you'll have it. If you'll say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast and see and shall not die in your heart. Believe what you say, you'll have what you say. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Amen. But if you have aught <laughs> against anybody, forget it. Amen. That's brutal. My faith ain't working. I can't imagine why. I think every one of us in this room have some people. We need to go and find them and build some relationships back with them. I'm basically done. What is the secret? First of all, he loves you. It's free. Accept it and now give it away. I have another minister, not a minister, he's a man, he's a big dog. And um, I have friends in Orlando that are not preachers. Do y'all know, when I was there last night at the big convention, they honored the first responders. You know what everybody did? Stood up. Then pastors. I'm like, really? Offended? No. We have work to do. So I decided to kill him. I got some people I'm fixing to kill with kindness this week. Because I'm going to love them enough to love them. Do y'all understand that? My days of getting getting offended with you are over. I want you to do the same thing. I want your days of being offended that someone doesn't like you. And I want you to get over it. Let's talk about black white for a minute. You know how many black slaves came into America? 
a little over 300,000. You know how many black people have come to America since the slave days? Several million. Not all of y'all went through slavery. That's a bunch of, that's a bunch of bull. You know there's only one nation on the earth that ended slavery? That's the United States of America. Did you know where the slaves came from in Africa? They were bought by, sold by slaves, by black people. Slavery was around all over the earth for years until we ended it. We're not as racist as you think we are. I want you all to get over that. And quit, paying, quit asking people to pay a debt that was, was done in the 60s. <laughs> I wasn't around to give you all any trouble. Wasn't even born yet when I was, I was three or four or five. We need to get over a lot of stuff going on in this nation. Racism and you name it. It's, it's off the charts, folks. So what if someone doesn't like you? Okay. Suck it up. Does God love you? You better believe it. Does he see you as valuable? You better believe it. And what does it matter? What everybody else thinks. The fear of rejection is huge. Fear of unacceptance is huge. That's the root of all the mess in your life. I want you to do something this week. I want you to open up to 1 John 5 and I want you to read it to yourself. His love drives fear out of me. If He loves me, if He, if He loved me enough and He paid for me with a blood in His body, I'm not junk. And I love me. Love others as you love who? Yourself. Say this, God loves me. Just like I am. Now, is he patient with you? Then you be patient with people. They hadn't arrived. Get your, get your finger and put it up. Love them anyway. This is so freeing, guys. This is, this is so freeing to me. This is one of the things that I, it finally, it finally dawned on me. This is a real secret. This is a secret to ministry. This is a secret to churches. This is a secret to families. This is a secret to health. Can I tell you another story? George Washington Carver had a, a white man came in, wanted some ointment that he had to put on his son that would heal him. But he was very rude to him because he was dealing with a black man. And George Washington Carver would not give him the ointment. And he says, give me that ointment. He said, sir, it wouldn't do any good. You're mean. What? Ointment don't work on mean people. The, 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 the prescription God gave, the doctor gave you, isn't working if you're mean. <laughs> Full of unforgiveness. Hard to get along. Come on. You can just rub it all over you and die. The vaccine won't do anything either. It'll probably kill you. Well, what would happen if we all, we all decided to obey the only commandment in the New Testament, love God with all your heart and your neighbor's what? What would happen if that actually happened? What would actually happen in a church? Amen. Well, y'all are so quiet, I think I'm going to quit. I'm going to let you out 12 minutes early because I love you. This is the secret. And the Baptist did not put this in the Bible. You ready to pray? Some of you right now, before I pray, I want you to do something. I want you to think about the people you're mad at that you don't like. And I want you to forgive them and forget it. Jesus said, if you don't forgive them, neither will God forgive you. 
that's pretty brutal. That's one of the reasons why people are sick. That's the main reason people are sick in church. The second thing is put the rocks down. Get over it. If you're having a real problem with someone, stop what you're doing this week and send them a card and love on them. Did God send you a card? Sent you his son. He loved you when you were ugly. Did he love you when you were ugly? Did he love you when you were mean? Did he love you when you were bad? Did he love you when you were worthless? Then he said, I want you to love as I love. That's huge, isn't it? I want to tell you how you know how big you are spiritually. It's not how high you can reach up. How far can you reach down? How are you treating the little people around you? That's your size. That's what makes God God. Satan wanted his throne, but he didn't want his footstool. He didn't want his cross. Amen. How many of you think you've got some work to do right now? Yeah. I want you to say this with your mouth. Say, God, God loves, loves me. me. Let's go a step further. Say, I, I love, love me. me. Say, He, he made, me made me like I am. Like I am. And then look at your family and say, get over it. Now, the only thing that I'm going to say is that I'm going to expect this love next week when the dogs beat the mud out of the gators. Just destroyed my whole sermon, didn't I? Just. <laughs> we'll see. Are y'all ready? I'm ready to pray now. Are y'all ready? Come on, say, I love God. Father God, thank you this morning for every person sitting in this room. I mean every last single person sitting in this room and those watching. I pray that what we said today is not just to walk out of here and go, and that's a good sermon. I pray that is not the case right now. I pray they'll walk out and go, I agree that's got to be probably the greatest truth I have ever heard in my entire life. Father, help us right now, Ephesians. You said Paul prayed over the church in Ephesians 3 that we would have a revelation of how much you love us, the length, the width, the breadth, the height. Once that hits our soul, then our soul becomes whole. Our soul gets whole that you loved us that much. And not until then can we give away. We can't give what we don't have. One of the reasons we're not giving it away is we never even knew we had it. Some of that is our preacher's faults. Some of that's my fault, but not anymore. I pray that we would learn to take this home, reach out to family who haven't called us in years, and call them. Reach out to people who are not lovely, that are struggling, and they need acceptance. All because you accepted us. No other reason, no other motive. I pray we would leave today and go, I think I, need to put, I think I need to put this in practice. And I thank you, sir, that you do love us. You do care about us. I pray that my story did not point to me, didn't make me look like I'm a big person but they understand that you gave me that story for me and now for them. You're looking for something in us and that's to reciprocate the love you gave us. And it might be difficult at first. And I ask you to help us in Jesus' name. I'm going to tell you that when you pick up a book and say I'm a walk in love, I will tell you this, it'll be the most difficult thing you've ever done in your life. It'll be the most rewarding thing you'll ever do. I'm going to tell you right now, my life is a thousand times better than it was a year ago or two years ago. Way better. If you're praying for healing, stop and get your love walk right. Amen. 
because you're killing your own self with your own bitterness. If you have bitterness, please get it out of you. Please get it out of you. It is not worth it. Forgive them and leave it and let it go. God bless you. I don't know, Justin, were you supposed to come up here? Who's